Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is March 16th, 2021, and this is episode 63. Scott Rainey joins the podcast in our latest interview. Scott is one of those icons in the sport of hydroplane racing that doesn't get enough credit. He is an extremely knowledgeable, hardworking talent and a huge supporter of each one. He has crewed for many teams and owners for over the past three plus decades. He and his wife are current H1 race team owners of the U11 Unlimited Racing Group. In part one of my conversation with Scott, we go into his history and love of the sport for being a fan getting into crewing, to becoming crew chief. Scott recalls some of his favorite times in the sport, some big names, and explains why everyone calls him Pyro. All right, well, today I'm joined via satellite with Scott Rainey. Scott, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing fine. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being on the show. Want to talk to you for some time now and look look forward to hearing a bit about more of your background with the sport and let the listeners know... uh, kind of the background and what kind of goes on uh, behind the scenes there with with you and, and your team. Before we get into too much, I was wondering if you could kind of go into kind of your years around the sport and tell the list, listeners a bit about your history and hydroplanes before you became an owner. Uh, you know, I grew up in Seattle area in Queen Anne uh, and, and had been a fan of the sport for uh, years and years. Um, you know, as, as long as I could remember, um, coming home from, from a church, uh, on Sunday and, and wanted to get, get home in front of the TV for Seafair Sunday, um, <laughs> you know, to, to, to watch the races and, and it's every summer, it was what I looked forward to, um, in Seattle. And of course you could, you could always hear the boats, uh, where I grew up, I grew up on Queen Anne, um, and occasionally we'd, we'd get a boat up on top of the on top of the hill doing a display here or there. So we'd get to see them a little bit. And there was a few boat shops out in Ballard um, that, that, you know, our parents would drive us by and uh, you know, we never went into them, but we, we got to, you know, see the boats and sitting outside and, you know, generated a lot of excitement for us as kids. And, you know, we did the, you know, tow the bike, you know, the hydroplane behind the bike uh, uh, deal, like a lot of kids in, 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 you know, growing up and um, you know, it was just a, a big fan. And, and then, and then of course, you know, you could hear, uh, you, you know, the boats running, the engines um, up on Queen Anne, um, all the way, you know, all the way down there at the, you know, Stansier's Pits. And um, it just brought, you know, excitement to me as a kid. And I, it was always something that I thought, boy, this is, this is something I'd really like to be involved in. And, uh, you know, I guess it's kind of a dream come true that uh, that happened. Yeah, well, I was I was going to ask you if you if you towed bikes or the boats behind your bikes because that was kind of like the uh, the staple for kids. Um, yeah, we even do it as right? adults still. <laughs> Just can't right. ride as far anymore. <laughs> no, well, I can get have little like a you know little mopeds or something like that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you have any favorite you know teams that you followed growing up? Well, when I was a kid, um, I, I I did not like Bill Muncy. Uh, you know, he he is you know as as I got to understand and know more about the sport, of course, he was a champion and um, was a great advocate for the sport, but uh, he, he was always that, that dark side for me. Um, 
and and I was for who was against Bill Muncie. So I was a Dean Chenoweth fan. I was a, a you know Budweiser Griffin fan. That was pretty neat. Uh, and then the you know the Pan Pack came out with the turbine boat in 1980, and I that was just fascinating to me. The the technology and uh, you know John Walters and his his driving and um, you know I'd known known a little bit about John driving in the smaller boats because I followed it uh, and. And I just thought that that was a, you know, pretty neat deal and innovative. And uh, it was something that, you know, both, both of those guys, uh, you know, those teams were kind of the teams that I was, you know, pulling for, you know, in in my youth. Yeah. Well, those teams did some exciting things. And that was, that was something that they they really pushed the boundaries with with technology. Right. You know, and I never had the opportunity to work, work on, uh, you know, piston engines, just, you know, helping a little bit here and there with, with some things, but never immerse myself fully into it but um you know that turbine thing was just like wow this is so uh advanced and fa- you know fascinating to me and then you know lo and behold here here you know years later i got the opportunity to 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 not only learn how to work on turbines but i got to work with a guy who was w- one of my idols you know as a kid and and i mean what a what an experience and what a great guy is that idol uh john walters is yeah, that absolutely john referring? walters yeah okay. yes yeah. So he was, was he your favorite driver then? then yeah. John, John Walters, Dean Chenoweth, those, those two guys were, were, were tops of my list. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely talented, talented people. Absolutely. Well, before, before you got into crewing and, and racing in boards yourself, did, do you have a favorite memory as just being a fan, uh, just taking in that racing experience? I, uh, you know, there's so many, I, I used to skip, skip out of college and go down when teams were <laughs> testing in the pits and um go watch you know anything i could uh that way you know i don't know there's you know races in seattle 86 or or so you know tri-cities i, I mean they're, they're they're all all of them every one of them i mean i i can't point one in particular that was just incredible that stuck out because they all were great um I probably look forward, you know, to finding out more when teams were testing. Uh, that was exciting, and it, it was more exciting than school was for sure. What school are you skipping? Uh, well, I uh, started at Seattle University and uh, and 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 did did a bunch of classes there, and um, also spent some time at Bellevue Community College. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh. I would, when I could, I would skip out of school as well, but uh, it's, uh, I think you, you followed your path uh, well, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it was definitely, a, I guess you could call it, a, you know, an addiction, a love, whatever. It was, it was, it was something that I was really fascinated with and the technology and, 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 and how they all worked mechanically. And, um, you know, that was pretty neat. Nice. Well, fast forward a few years, you got into, into crewing. Uh, and you crewed for a lot of different teams. Uh, what what year was your first team when you? Uh, what was your first year that you crewed for an unlimited team? I started uh, in 1989, uh, right about two weeks before the Tri Cities race. Uh, it was my my first uh, you know hands on experience. Uh, uh, I was working at a shipyard over Foss Shipyard on the you know Lake Washington Ship Canal there, mm-hmm. and. Um, and they they went on strike and um you know being young and dumb um and i was 
still in school at the time, but it was summer. So I wasn't really, you know, attending school. Um, I, I had this job to make, you know, make some money to pay tuition and, uh, all these old timers went on strike and I walked a picket line with them for a couple of days. And I was like, this is not really very much fun. And I didn't really see the bigger picture why all these, you know, guys were walking around with these signs and hollering and screaming. And I just wanted to work and make some money and, uh, you know, didn't understand the long-term effects of why they were actually, you know, on strike. And uh, I went over to the, uh, the Pringles shop in Magnolia there and, uh, you know, said, saw Bill Worcester and said, you know, Hey, uh, you know, I'm work at the shipyard there and I'm a college student and, then, uh, you know, you need some help. And uh, Bill's like, yeah, they had just brought the boat back from Syracuse um, where it, it, it got upside down and it was, you know, pretty busted up. And, you know, Bill handed me a broom and said, sweep. And so I started sweeping and then, and that just expanded from there. Well, you, you ended up working for a lot of different teams and owners and you mentioned Booster. I know you worked for Elstrom for some time and Schumacher. Um, is there, can you think of like a, was there a lesson that you could learn from each owner? Each owner, you know, had their, had their, has their own quirks and, 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 and whatnot. And, uh, you know, Bill had been around so long and, and Bill Worcester and, and he'd, he'd started out with virtually nothing and worked and worked and, you know, worked his tail off. And, um, he, he really knew how to, you know, stretch a dollar and make it, make it go really far. And I mean, I mean, he virtually started with really, really bottom tier equipment and, and, uh, having the good fortune of you know having being surrounded by good people and, and he got he got he had some good sponsorship you know come his way uh he he ended up you know putting together a pretty top tier team uh for many years and uh and so uh, i i have a lot of respect for bill and there's a, even to this day there's lessons that um you know maybe at that time um working for bill that i didn't quite understand but uh, you know, he was passing on his knowledge of, of how he did, uh, you know, approach certain situations as an owner. And, and I didn't really gather it at that time that, you know, this was going to be the path that I was going to take, uh, you know, as an owner. Um, but, but he was passing the, the, that wisdom, uh, you know, down. And uh, uh, maybe now, now I realize and appreciate, uh, the, you know, the lessons, uh, you know, that, that, that he, you know, shared with me okay yeah so you know and and then you know in the time i got to work for elstrom um you know eric uh was was um very the attention to detail was very important to to eric elstrom and his family um and and he was never afraid to um to to take the technology that they had available within their their company um and and utilize that uh to to make uh, a frame or or something for the boat with that you know cnc technology that they had available whether you know it was coming from the you know the wood shop upstairs or you know eventually eric uh, you know bought uh you know the five axis machines to build propellers and um, I was there on the ground floor of that, and that was a you know, fascinating time um, 
to to you know you know be there and learn and and watch the uh, that program take shape and grow. It was pretty pretty amazing. So that was a, a, a pretty pretty fascinating time and uh, a lot of a lot of information uh, you know was was learned uh, you know from from my years at that team. So and, and then of course then we went on to uh, you know. After after I left Elstrom's, I went back and worked for Bill Bill Worcester for, again, um, and then and then you know Schumacher's eventually, um, you, you know bought out bought out Bill, uh, and and you know then then it was uh, you know learning a whole nother um, you know owner you know Billy and Jane and and what their quirks were uh, and you know Billy had had been you know pretty successful in the sport and uh he he brought a pretty big desire to win and 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 made it very clear that was his desire and so yeah that that opened up a whole nother set of uh, uh challenges um uh, you know as a crew chief um and so we had some successes and we had some not so great successes too so um yeah, well, I was just kind of thinking back about your your career as a crew member and, and crew chief, and and just you had great success in some of those years, you know, with Wooster and Elstrom and Schumacher. And I was just curious because they're, to me, as an outsider looking in, it looked like they had their each different styles, different flavors, all able to be successful in their own right. So I'm just kind of curious you know, if, if, if you're able to pull some of that, each of those owners kind of flavors to kind of mesh them into your own you just take the experiences that uh, and um i mean w- when they made a decision on doing something um you know sometimes they're they're the pilot of the ship and you may not agree with the decision but um when when the owner who is funding it and writing the check decides that this is the pathway that we're going to take um you can you know follow along or you can not be there and so um you you, you know it's just a it's just like anything you you make a decision uh, and on you go and sometimes they're correct decisions and sometimes they're not and uh, the only way you're going to find out um you know to to improve is by making a a tough decision and a, a change or or whatever and sometimes you know, you make the right one. Sometimes you don't. So, and, and each one of those guys was not, not any different that way. Well, looking back into your, your crew days as a crew member, do you have maybe like a favorite year you kind of think back on? And that was what, what maybe not the most successful year, but you just had the most fun or it's kind of your favorite to look back on. Oh, well, there's been, I mean, so many, so many times working with, with people and, and that's always for me when I look back at the times is the, the people that I've um, had the opportunity to work with. And I mean, so many good people, but as far as straight up racing, um, you know, when we won the gold cup in 2006, that one was, that one was pretty hard fought. I mean, we, we really, really, really had to work and work really hard all weekend to get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, all the wins were really pretty satisfying and great, you know, and I go back to maybe our first time winning, um, winning in Seattle, 
uh, in 2005. Um, you know, that was, that was pretty cool also. Right. Um, that, that one sticks out. Well, it's always fun to win at home and it's, it's always great to, uh, to win a gold cup, right? It's not, not many people can say that. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I don't, I mean, there's no words you can put to it. Uh, you know, the 2005, uh, when we were, we were very competitive, um, all year, but we just hadn't put the combination together, uh, to do it. And, uh, it was, you know, Jean Theoret's rookie season and, um, back East, we were, we were pretty strong and, um, but we just, we just, it just didn't, it didn't, it, it, it didn't mesh right yet. And it all finally came together, uh, in Seattle and we found a combination Sunday morning. Um, and we, I mean, I immediately knew, Oh boy, this is something really good. And we, we put it away until, you know, the final heat and then, and then put it on the boat. And of course, you know, Jean went out and, you know, made a, made a great start and it, he did the, he did the rest and it was, it was awesome. So, but, but I mean, every, every one of those race victories, there's a story behind it that, um, you know, maybe, maybe to somebody else isn't, isn't great, but to, to our team and, and the guys that, you know, and the families that were involved in the team, it's a, it's a pretty special, special thing. And I, I could probably say that for, for every team that, that has won a race it's like that yeah well just yeah just it's countless hours and and <laughs> how much work goes into it just to, to get that pull off that win right yep yep yeah yeah well, i the, mean it's a lot of sacrifice from 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 you know the, the people who are working on the team it's just a, a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time but it's also time away from their families and the the you know the wives and the children uh, of these these people um, who who are you know neglected, I guess during our um, racing season and 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 everything when we gotta you know put something together like that in a in a quick hurry and uh, so there's you know a lot of commitment from from a lot of different people so it's pretty neat. Well, on the flip side, looking back into your your years as crew, uh, crew member, uh, was there one year that just was the hardest? And maybe you think about it and you're thinking, how in the world did we get through that year? Um. <laughs> you know, a couple of things come to mind. Um, in, in 2004, um, we had a pretty competitive boat, but it just every time you turn around, something was happening. And uh, I, 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 th I don't remember, was there seven or eight races that year? And in every race, we had damage. And, um, I mean, we worked and worked and worked and, and it just like every time you turn around, it was something else. And then we went down to, I remember going down to San Diego and everything was in order. And, uh, you know, we had a real good, strong run going in the final heat and there went a propeller and the, the boat was on the, you know, sunk again. And, and, and I mean, with tri cities, you know, we got together with Coopers and the skid fin put a hole in the side of the boat uh, in Detroit, uh, um, we had lane one coming up to the, you know, the back straightaway for the final heat. And, uh, um, that was the year, um, Budweiser got disqualified. And I think Nate in the U 10 ended up winning the gold cup, but 
the Elstrom and, and Budweiser uh, were fighting for lane two and um, got into us and, you know, ripped off the side of the right sponson. And, and it's just like every, no matter how hard you worked, everything just, just, it, it just fought against you the whole time. And yeah. uh, so it was, um, you know, thank goodness we had a, you know, incredible team that just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. And, and I mean, John Walters was in the engine room, putting engines and together as quick as he could. And I mean, we just go out and, and these engines don't like to be sunk. And uh, I think every race we sunk the boat, except Seattle, <laughs> you know, or got, got the engine wet. And, and, and I mean, that's the worst thing you could do these turbine engines. So and that that's one, one year. Uh, was that, was that your, did you have like a target on the side of the boat? Like yeah, you that, painted on there at one point? Is we that, did. Is that, is that yep. the right year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we, we ended up putting a target on the side of the boat because it just seemed like, yep, that was the year. So, and, and then, and then there was one other time and it wasn't even really during race season. You know, we got, we got the, we had the accident over in Qatar and yeah, that was in February or March, I think. February, late February, and we came back home, and you know the boat wasn't scheduled to be home and it, for a long time, and uh, you know we we ended up buying the remnants of of the you know old Lumar Beacon plumbing boat from Schumacher's, and we made the dis- decision you know to scramble and put that thing back together and i mean we, we should have just built a new boat at the time and, and we showed up in sacramento and i mean i i i don't have a lot of recollection of of and i know that we talk about the crew guys still i mean we worked seven days a week 20 hour days and i mean it was insane what we did in the short amount of time and uh, i look back and that wasn't fun there was nothing fun about that so um, I don't really want to do that again. In your years as a crew chief, too, one thing I always wonder with crew chiefs, the relationship with the drivers, I feel like that's a really important component uh, to have. Uh, did you have any drivers that you just was your favorite to, to work with or just really meshed well with? Well, I, I, I mean, most of the drivers I've been able to work with pretty easily probably my favorite of course we had the favorite is because we had such great success and we're still one of my closest friends is is working with jean theoret um you know we just saw eye to eye on so many different things and um the communication came very easy his he could communicate to me i could communicate to him and um i i really uh look back on that time working with jean and i'm it was a very good time it was a very comfortable time and um, we became you know, very close lifelong friends uh, because of our time racing together. Nice. It doesn't want to take away, you know, the relationships I had with other drivers because, you know, there's other drivers that we had, you know, good relationships with also. And, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, I have nothing bad to say about any of those guys either. Yeah. Well, I'm, and in thinking about this question, I, I was, I was anticipating you would say Jean Thierrette because of the, the success he had with him and, he just seems like one of those natural talents um, in the cockpit. So it's interesting to, to hear about. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, that was an interesting uh, scenario to even get Jean hired. Uh, um, you know, 
Bill at the time had, had never heard of Jean. Uh, and of course, um, we were pretty young kids at the time. We had a bunch of young kids working with us, you know, Ryan Mallow, Brian Perkins, and, uh, you know, a few other kids. And uh, always at lunch, we used to watch videos of, you know, old boat races. Brian would bring, run in, bring a video in, or I'd bring one, or, you know, John Walters would bring a video in. And, um, and uh, so we, we took you know, when we knew that we didn't have a driver after the end of 2004, because, you know, J-Dub took a job with Elstrom, uh, you know, we were like, well, who, who are we going to get to drive? And so we, you know, just took a bunch of resumes and uh, accepted resumes. And uh, on the advice of, of Dale Van Weeringen, uh he said, you know, you, you ought to talk to Jean. And I had met Jean, you know, previous years in Detroit. And uh, so I called him and we, you know, had a discussion and he sent out a, uh, you know, a video and, um, uh, of his racing highlights. And, um, I watched the, the video at home and I was like, Holy cow, this guy makes really nice starts, which I knew that he, you know, he was successful in the grand prix stuff. And, but, but what impressed me was his starts were just spot on. And, uh, we, so we kind of, I don't know, we set bill up a little bit. Uh, we put, the, we put the video on at lunch and then made sure he was there to watch. Uh, and, and Bill, we kept seeing this boat making these perfect starts and Bill's like, I want that guy to drive my boat. And I was like, ah, oh, the rest was easy. We got, you know, that's how we got Jean in, 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 yeah. in the boat. So, uh, I still have that videotape here with me. Well, I, re- I remember hearing a speech that Sean Theoret gave to the museum 15 years ago or so. I can't remember the, the time frame, but, um, it was after he, he was racing for, Wooster and he just seemed so appreciative of the opportunity that Wooster gave him. Uh, it sounded like there was a really, it was hard for people in Canada and racing Grand Prix outside of um, the normal circuit in the United States circuit to kind of get into unlimiteds. Well, yeah, I mean, in the past, there's not been a lot of drivers uh, that have come from that area. And even, even, you know, the East coast drivers, I mean, we get a, you know, a Larry Lauterbach and we get a, you know, it was Scott Liddycoat and a Tom Thompson, mm-hmm. but not, you know, now, now, of course, you know, Mark Tate drove, you know, but he's for more from the Detroit area and then his son, Andrew. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the East coast and the Grand Prix drivers really, um, you know, especially the French Canadian drivers, they weren't, uh, you know, even in, in the picture and, uh, you know, uh, it was just, it just, when you laid a resume down, and, and, and it, it became very obvious and clear that, wow, this is some, somebody that we really need to take a look at. And, uh, you know, it, I guess it turned out pretty okay. <laughs> it turned, turned out just fine. Um, you know, one thing, one thing I want to ask you real quick before we move on is one thing that I've always heard is that there's so many applicants that really apply, you know, to race and, and be a driver. Uh, the ratio is so skewed that there's not many seats out there. How many resumes would you get back in the day when you were looking for drivers like that? Well, you know, on that time, um, we were selective. Uh, in that time, we didn't, like, broadcast out. We were looking for, um, you know, a driver. We actually asked for resumes. Uh, and, yeah, there was not really any social media. Um, in, 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 you know, later years, um, 
when when our U11 team, you know, J-Dub had, had gotten hurt and we were going to go ahead and make a driver change, I, I can't tell you how many resumes we got from, there was, you know, a lot of qualified candidates and there were some that were, you know, I probably wouldn't let them drive my, you know, lawn garden tractor, but, um, you know, and, and that's the, the, this day and age, but, you know, the only way you're going to get told yes is to ask. So I can't fault anyone for trying, but um, back then uh, we didn't, we didn't uh, take a lot of, you know. You have a nickname. I think it's pretty unique that uh, your people call you Pyro. And I've never heard the story behind that. I was wondering, how did you come up get with a nickname Pyro? How did that stick? Okay. So in, in 1989, my first year uh, with the team, um, there, there was, Scott Pierce, Scott Smith was the team manager. There was another crew guy, Scott Estes, and I'm the new guy, Scott Rainey. And they always would say, hey, Scott, and all, you know, forward, they, huh? And so um, at the time, uh, I was, um, you know, the head floor sweeper, and Jeff Campbell was uh, needing some help with, with uh, running a heat gun over some fiberglass, and, um, you know, I was going to make sure I did that just like Jeff told me. So I got it good and smoking hot. And, uh, he, he's, Jeff was the one who said, you know, well, you're not, you're not Scott anymore. You're pyro. And, and, and that's been kind of ever since. All right. Well, you can thank Jeff for that name. All right. <laughs> all right. Next time I see him, I'll thank him for that. Yeah. All right. So don't have to worry about you lighting fires in the pits then, I guess. Just uh, I haven't recently, but I think that's happened a time or two. <laughs> Well, you mentioned John Walters earlier talking about him, you know, his help in the sport and how, how helpful he's been. Has he been kind of one of your biggest mentors, you think, in the sport? Or is there someone else you can think of that was a, a big mentor for you? Oh, there's been so many, but definitely John is up near the top of the list. I mean, you, you know, John's been there. He's done it all. He's, he's, he started out at the, you know, the lowest and, um, worked his way up and drove and successful driving inboards, success driving, you know, uh, unlimiteds and, uh, is, you know, won a whole bunch of gold cups as a crew chief. And I mean, there's so much, uh, uh, knowledge and wisdom and experience there. Uh, for me, um, when, when I became crew chief, you know, John was right there, um, beside me, uh, like having a second crew chief. And when, when it was time to make a decision, uh, an important decision, um, it was always a, a sounding board for me and, and um, nothing but a positive uh, in my life, uh, not, not only as a mentor in the sport, but as a person too. Um, you, you can't find a finer person. Um, and and uh, I have the utmost respect for John and uh, care for that guy. Um, and, and, you know, it's... Uh, um, what a what a joy! Uh, I mean, from my my earliest days in 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 the sport, if I had a question about something, that he'd always uh, you know spend the time uh, to, to answer and and guide and nurture and teach and and that's something that um, is pretty pretty incredible. And and there's been others along the way, uh, you know the 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 guidance and. Uh, uh, you know, of, of Dan high, um, that guy, that guy is, uh, um, and maybe at the time I didn't see it. Um, I was pretty young and, uh, um, 
probably not as focused as I should be, but Dan was hyper focused and he had a, a you know a set agenda and a goal and um, he 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 worked and worked and worked and that and that and that man um, taught me a lot uh, as a as a person as a boat racer uh, and, and you know another name I um, would be Dale Van Wiergen I've got I've had the uh, fortune to work with Dale multiple times on multiple different projects and you know I I worked in uh, for Dale at the Bud Shop uh, for a year. Um, you know, building parts for, and help build T5 and help build all the parts for T6 boat. And, uh, you know, that was my start of working with him. Actually, I worked with him a little bit, um, in the painting stuff. Uh, you know, he, he did a lot of the painting on the Pringles and some of the early tide stuff. Um, uh, and so I got to work with him on that, those stuff. And, and then, and then we got, you know, the fortune to, uh, Dale, you know, then I got to work together on Elstrom's boat. And, and then when we took T4 from the two wing to the, you, you know, the boat, it is, uh, uh, you, you know, that, that we won the, won the races and the gold cup with, and, you know, 2003 and 2005 and six and eight and whatever, uh, you know, Dale was the designer of that boat. And so uh, we worked you know, very closely together. And, and so, uh, you know, uh, and I mean, I could go down a few, you know, a few other people and, you know, working with, you know, Mark Smith and Dixon Smith for, uh, and, and learning, you know, kind of the Budweiser way, uh, you know, that was uh, priceless in, in helping me grow as a, you know, a leader, a crew chief and understanding, you know, the engine stuff quite a bit better. And um, in my earlier days of spending the time with Tracy Bratbold over in Montana uh, in the turbine shop. Uh, same same goes for that uh, you know without there's been so many people who've stepped up and you know uh, mentored educated taught i mean jim lacero butch corning and I, I can just there's so many people who would go out of their way to to share that um that little bit of knowledge that they had lance morris rick gordon i mean i i can just keep going and uh without that without those people um you know, I, I can't take, you know, credit for the success we've had because it's all, it's all, you know, culmination of the stuff I've learned from all those people. Well, I have to say that's a, it's a pretty impressive list. That's uh, incredibly talented people in, the, in each one of those people on that list. So um, that's, that's very cool to hear. You've been able to, um, you know, be touched by all those lives um, and help, help with your career in hydroplane racing. Yeah. Well, each one of them, each one of them contributed something uh, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, they're all good people to me. Listeners, I hope you don't have any plans next Tuesday because episode 64, part two of my interview with Scott will begin streaming on March 23rd at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player and even write me a review so I know how much you are enjoying it. You can also subscribe on all the major social media platforms. Just search us up with at Talk. Finally, before you go, listener, this is a free podcast, but did you know that donations help us to grow and expand our content? Look us up online at our website, RoosterTailTalk.com. There, you can find the donation button under the support tab. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you at the race. Day.